The NFL playoffs are here, woke America is out of control, and why I'm already tired of your kids. Happy New Year, a brand new air attack starts right now. Yeah, and hello to everybody listening on Anchor.fm and the Anchor app. Uh, Happy New Year's. I am BC the man. Yeah. Look, guys, a, a few things about the holidays and your social media. Number one, the matching pajamas. Okay, my God. If you want to get matching pajamas for your kids, that's kind of psychotic in and of itself because there's only one reason to really do that. You might do it to impress company, but let's face it, you're doing it for social media, which is also the reason some of you have kids to begin with. I get all that. Okay, that's fine. Okay, I'm with you. I get it. I get it. That's fine. Seriously, the fa- families of five and six wouldn't exist without Facebook these days. Seriously. Your kids are not that enjoyable. But that's a different story. But you have to wear the pajamas with them. That's where I got to draw the line, especially the man of the house. If the mom wants to get involved, that's okay. That's sort of like, you know, the mom that gets a, a matching tattoo with her 16-year-old daughter. It's kind of cool, but it's really not. I-, I get it. But as far as the man of the house wearing matching PJs, no. Sorry. Can't do it. The other thing is this. If you had a child in the last year... Okay, as much of an idiot as many of you may think I am, I understand that it's your kid's first Christmas. You don't have to keep reminding us. Oh, my God. The other thing is this. If you had a kid in the last year, I'm not positive how many months old the child is, nor do I care. I don't need a reminder on the blank of every month. Okay, the little Johnny or little Debbie, okay, or or little Cal or whatever it is, turned six months or nine months. What is the point? Why do I care how many months old your child is? Like, are you going to post a picture at 10 months old and I'm going to say, you know what? Little Damien over there at 10 months has come so far from the little Damien I knew at seven months. What do I care? The kid's going to sit there and do what? Touch his toes, stick his tongue out, and you're going to post a picture. Why? We all, we, we all know why, but I mean, I still have to ask the question. Why? What is the point of doing that? Enough. God, I've really seen the changes over the last uh, 60 days here. Come on, stop. I posted pictures for the holidays. I went to New Orleans. I did something cool. My first Christmas. Yeah, I know it's, your, it's a kid's first Christmas. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. You know, it's very, you know, here's a possibility. The rest of the world may not care about your kid as much as you do. Just putting it out there. Oh, my God. You think the kid, I mean, at what age is a kid supposed to start asking questions? Hey, Mommy, why do we have to wear this shit? And why are you always taking pictures of us in this stuff? How come every time we have matching outfits on, you're taking pictures? Oh, my God. Yeah, New, by the way, New Orleans was very cool. New Orleans is a, my first time there, very, very good city. A lot of good food, a lot of fun stuff. Now, I never made it to Bourbon Street. I made it to the French Quarter, but I'd rather, when I travel, I like, like, I like to see a city kind of like the natural way. Like, you go to dinner somewhere, and you just kind of see that neighborhood, or you go out to this place or whatever. So there was also the issue of the Pittsburgh Steelers being in town. And if you don't know, the Steelers follow their team basically the way, uh, you know, a group of college kids follows fish around the country. Um, a band which, by the way, made its way back to New York City uh, for New Year's Eve again this year. I don't know how many years in a row that is that they've stunk up my city or my area, but they were here again. Um, I'm sure most of them are gone by now. A couple of them are probably still asleep. But that's okay. Um, but the Steelers fans, the Steelers fans are everywhere. So we were out watching the game on Sunday. We were going to go to the game, but the tickets I think were like the cheapest ticket was like two sixty, two seventy. Because, and, I, and I said, we looked at them like a couple months ago. I said, they're not going to get any cheaper because I guarantee the Steelers fans have scooped them all up. And that's exactly what happened. Steelers fans were in our hotel. Steelers fans everywhere. So I wasn't going out anywhere near Bourbon Street after the Steelers fans 
you know, were drinking all day, went to a game and had that terrible loss with Juju Smith-Schuster fumbling and everything else. So that wasn't happening. But um, my Christmas was good. I hope yours was too. And uh, away we go. Now, the, the holidays kind of got off to a strange start. I'm down in New Orleans. It's Christmas Eve. I caught some kind of cold down there. This wasn't, this was not alcohol or, you know, partying related. No, nothing like that. This was not, this was not anything about being hungover. This was just, I caught some kind of cold down there, which I still kind of have. So, getting ready to go to dinner or whatnot, and I look at my phone, I check my Twitter. You follow me on Twitter, by the way, at BC, aka the man. And I see that LeBron James is trending, and he, he was forced to apologize. And I'm like, why would LeBron apologize? And, you know, he's... He tweets a lot, but a lot of stuff he tweets is, is pretty positive. Now, he tries to get political, sometimes makes a, you know, kind of a knucklehead out of himself when he does it because he doesn't really know what he's saying. He's just trying to be part of sort of like woke America, right? So you remember a few months ago, he said something about Trump being a bum. And one of the reporters asked him, well, what, do you, what, what do you mean? Well, you know what I mean. I mean, he a bum. Well, that's not really an answer to LeBron. We, just, we heard you say that part. Repeating what you said is not an explanation. And he really had no explanation. But, you know, he wants to be a businessman. He is. He wants to be, you know, in entertainment. He absolutely is. And he wants to be into politics. And that's where it gets a little dicey for him because he just wants to latch onto the bandwagon without really knowing what he's talking about. Anyway, I'm like, what the hell did he tweet? And it turns out he tweets a line from a rap song by 21 Savage. And it's talking about basically getting that Jewish money. That's the line. Something along those lines. And people start going crazy or at least pretending to. And I got two words for you bully tactic, because that's what that reaction to LeBron was, okay? Everyone better watch what they say about blank or I'll go crazy. In this, this particular case that I do with, with, you know, Jewish people and money, and I'm saying, what the fuck is the big deal? Mind you, on Christmas Eve, this is on Christmas Eve, by the way, Darren Ravel, who is no longer with ESPN, he now, he now works for the Action Network, which is not an activist group, it's a gambling site, and a, and a poor one at that. I subscribe to the Action Network, they've got to get a lot better if I'm going to stay with them. The only thing they're good for is up-to-date odds. But their writing and whatnot is, is complete garbage. Darren Ravel, okay? Jews make up 1.4% of the population, so I expect people to not understand why saying, quote, getting that Jewish money, end quote, is offensive. Well, if you're 1.4% of the population, Darren, I, I tell you what, I hear an awful lot about these issues for 1.4% of the population. Now, mind you, I also live in, like, you know, right outside New York City in New Jersey, so it's not 1.4% of the population here. I'm not sure what it is, and I'm really not that concerned about it. Okay, but 1.4% of the population, I hear an awful lot about, your, about those interests for only being 1.4% of the population, but, hey, it is what it is. But here he goes. He doesn't just stop there. That, here's, here's Darren Rubel again. That Jews are disproportionately wealthy to their population does not take away from the fact that the term, quote, Jewish money means Jews are capitals, all caps now, all about money. Wait a second. What are you telling me that Jews are disproportionately wealthy for if this is so offensive? This condescending, oh, you wouldn't understand. I wouldn't understand? But also, how do you claim to speak for everyone of that background? Of course you do, okay? But, but notice, he can't resist the urge to confirm, oh yeah, we have more money than the rest of you. What is the problem? It's like Michael Scott with, that's what she said. Just can't resist it. Oh, by the way, listen, it's offensive to say that we're all about money. We have more money than all of you, though. Let's go crazy over this. Better watch out what you say about us, or we'll just go crazy. To give you a parallel, back in like the early 2000s, when The Sopranos was at its height, there was a group of Italians. I have, I have an Italian last name, okay? <laughs> I am I'm, I'm Italian, okay? There's a group that claimed to be, you know, pro-Italian that said the, you know, The Sopranos was offensive. It was denigrating to Italians. 
It perpetuated negative stereotypes. Like there's no Italian mobsters out there. Like that never, like that never went on. Not, not in New Jersey. God, no, gee, what, by the way, what would I know about that? Trying to push and push and push. We all know what this is about. You claim discrimination, you claim you're offended, and then you further your cause that way. You end up getting money, which is the irony of this whole thing because you're not supposed to talk about money. Apparently talking about money is offensive. And by the way, I got news for you. There's a lot more than 1.4% of our population that's obsessed with money. Okay, Darren, I understand you don't work for ESPN anymore. You are not nearly as relevant as you used to be. And I get it. ESPN doesn't want to pay anybody anymore. By the way, Darren's, Darren's column on ESPN, I believe, was called Sports Money, but that's okay. <laughs> I want to talk about irony. And by the way, that line that LeBron, LeBron just, just tweets a line from a rap song. That's all it is, it's a rap song. But that line means you're all about money because you also speak for the rapper who offended you so badly, you didn't even know the song existed until LeBron posted it. That's okay, Darren. Keep flailing. You're doing great. Fortunately, the, the stupidity, and that it is stupidity, was struck down just about immediately by sane people. Many of them Jewish, by the way, who were like, hey, listen, I took that as a compliment. This is not a big deal. And it was put to rest pretty quickly. But again, it's a bully tactic. But LeBron, of course, apologizes, lest he be thrown out of woke America. He wants to be part of woke America very bad. You know woke America. Jamel, you know, Jamel Hill, Colin Kaepernick. Woke America. The Obamas, John Stewart, Jimmy Kimmel. Anybody who works at MSNBC. You know, everybody who's woke. John Legend, definitely John Legend. Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, they're, they're woke America. All the authority figures. And with a show on ESPN, I think it's a, web, it's a webcast that he does on ESPN. I don't watch it. I'm not into that. But I think it's, what's it called? More Than an Athlete? And you've got that, that show in the barbershop on HBO. You know, LeBron's, LeBron's all too happy to cave because he likes his life. And when it comes down to it, LeBron is out for himself and his family. But he didn't do anything wrong here. I mean, he did nothing wrong. And this is the crap you're throwing at me on, on Christmas Eve just because you think you can. So I'm not trying to pick on Darren Ravel. He wasn't the only person. There were people that tweeted about this. I mean, endlessly. They were, I mean, they had threads out there where they're replying to themselves like seven, eight, nine times, going crazy. But you, notice something. They don't even go after the rapper because the rapper's only got like 2 million Twitter followers. LeBron's got about 45 or 50 million. So, I mean, it's, it's just it, this nonsense of, hey, we're going to decide who we're going to go after. We get, we get you in our crosshairs, and that's it. You better apologize or else. Case in point. Now, this is a different kind of situation, but I got a few examples for you. But I'm going to start with Louis C.K., who was also trending on Twitter when I was away. And I'm saying, what did he do now? Did he get himself, you know, he get himself in trouble? Did he do something else gross? What did he do? He does a stand-up set in New York. He actually did a series of shows in New York, not in the city, but in Long Island. And somebody recorded it. Now, that's a no-no. I was at the Comedy Cellar almost two years ago at this point, and they're very big on no cell phones, nothing. They, they threatened to take them from you. Now, Kevin Hart also showed up that night. But part of the reason that you're not allowed to do it, you know, to record with, you know, video or audio is, number one, they want to protect the brand. So, like, Louis C.K., I know for a fact, I, I talked to people who've been to his concerts who said they saw people be escorted out of Madison Square Garden. Now, those days for him are over. He's not going to get MSG anymore, not for a real long time. But that's neither here nor there. But they don't want people recording their shit. Plus, when they go to a club a lot of times, they're just working on new material. So it's a no-no to record at a comedy club. Anyway, somebody did it anyway because he shows up. And he made fun of transgender people and the Parkland kids because, you know, there's nothing funny about any of that. <laughs> Come on. So people go crazy on Twitter. And this is Twitter's doing to begin with because Twitter will now, 
it, when it comes to the trends list on Twitter, Twitter will put up there what they want. And Louis C.K. is like, the, that's the one thing people are talking about? No, because Twitter wants him up there in the trends list. And then when you click on it, you see all these people ripping into him. How there's just no humor in either one of these topics, and this is not funny. Hey, listen, David Hogg is funny. I'm sorry. You know, those kids, I, I've said this many times, those kids are the most opportunistic bunch of brats you've ever seen in your lives. Okay, and if they really cared about their classmates, okay, you'd know their classmates' names. Living and dead who actually saved people. Not one of those kids did it once. So if somebody wants to make fun of those kids, okay, just because they have the right parents, they are, I don't, I don't care. They're more than welcome to do it. These kids have the right parents or the right teachers. They took the right drama class, yada, yada, yada. Now they're famous? Not the ones, not the ones that save lives. Yeah, what would, what would we glorify them? So just because those kids are political mascots doesn't make them off limits. But, of course, Twitter's going to go crazy because when, when Twitter filters the content, they're going to make it look that way. And as far as the, you know, the transgender thing or the non-binary people, look, years ago, SNL used to do a skit called It's Pat. I think they actually made a movie. It, now it bombed, but about that very topic. This is all stuff people have laughed at. Whether Twitter or anybody else wants to make you think so or not, neither here nor there. Now, people just unload on the guy. But you know why they unload on Louis C.K.? Because when woke America buries you, you don't get to come back. You don't get to work. You don't get to have fun. You don't get to make people laugh. You don't get to make money. No, 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 no. You don't get to walk down the street. Nothing. And don't get me wrong. Look, I get why Louis C.K. lost his TV show. I know why people think he sucks. And I know why people want nothing to do with him. I, I, I personally don't blame them. But the idea he could never work again? Now, why would anyone really care about that? Two words. Political power. Again, bully tactics. Bully tactics. And that's what LeBron was afraid of, and that's unfortunate. And if you loathe Louis C.K. so much, don't go see him. But other people are going to. Especially, guys, when it comes to comedy clubs, comedy clubs are not that big. Now, here's a guy who sold out MSG, you know, and places, places like that. Those days are behind him and, and very well may never come again. But you want to boycott a comedy club or something like that? It doesn't matter. He sold out every one of those shows. He got standing ovations, and the club owner said, look, I'm a club owner. He's coming back. My job is to put people on stage and in those seats. And, and you know what? He takes care of both of those things. And he's absolutely right. You know, Louis C.K. is never going to have as much as he would have had he not acted like a perverted weirdo asshole. But that's totally different from telling a few jokes that you don't like. Because now it's becoming psychotic. And the idea that you can just use the internet to ruin someone at your whim is insane. But LeBron chose to cave instead of calling out the bullshit. Because in the end, like I said, LeBron's for LeBron. So, you know what? He'll apologize for doing nothing wrong and just go on with his awesome life. And just to show you how full of shit people are, you know, this all happens in December. Woody Allen in December had another woman come forward and say she was with him in high school. And that story had a shelf life of about an hour. Now, out of Woody, LeBron, or Lewis, you tell me which one is really the worst. Do I really need to help you out with that one? Yeah, Lewis C.K. didn't just, you know, he wasn't just gross. He also fucked with people's careers. So let's be fair about that. But it's not sex with a kid, <laughs> okay? And that's why LeBron shouldn't have apologized, okay? They didn't even take it up with the rapper or the record label for fuck's sakes. What a bunch of bullshit. Bunch of, a bunch of hypocrites and cowards. Give you another example, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer wins the Rose Bowl and people say, okay, it's his last game as Ohio State coach. Here's what he's accomplished. And I'm watching people just, just babble away on Twitter. Oh, I never want to hear from him again. He's such a phony and a liar. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Urban Meyer would probably sell off his wife if he thought it would give him a chance to win on that last Saturday in November at noon. I really do. I, I, totally, I totally do. That doesn't mean you know what happened with Zach Smith or his wife. 
Zach Smith and his wife had a terrible marriage. Seems like there was alcohol involved, definitely infidelity. She had a, she had a propensity for violence, according to several people. Her own mother said that she had a plot against Urban Meyer and her ex-husband. Now, mothers can lie. I get it. <laughs> okay. I understand family can lie. That's fine. But there was a lot of evidence that suggested she was a loon. But now you're all inside of Urban Meyer's head because, again, woke America decided that Urban Meyer was harboring, knowingly harboring, a wife feeder. Why any coach would do that is beyond me, but that's okay. Woke America decided for me. Woke America decided, hey, Urban Meyer is in our crosshairs. He should never get to coach again. Now, some of you are just Michigan fans, but that's fine. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Again, then don't watch him. Just don't watch it. No, that's not enough. You have to hurt people because by hurting people, you show that you have political power. And everybody better watch out. And that's how you'll further your cause. Boom, Ohio State hates women. That's what it is. Ohio State hates women. You know why? Because we said so. But Zach Smith's wife texted Urban Meyer's wife. That's all the evidence we need. Has it ever occurred to any of you dopes? I'm not saying this is true or not true. Has it ever occurred to any of you that Urban Meyer and his own wife don't talk that much? There are marriages like that, I hate to tell you, especially involving head football coaches at major universities. He may have seen those text messages. He might have known everything, but I don't know that, and you don't know that. But hey, Woke America decided he did know. And Woke America will decide for you. That's it. Then on Black Monday, the Monday after the regular season ends in the NFL, pretty ironic wording, but that's what it's called, There's artic there are articles written about how the NFL's getting rid of all its black coaches. All its black yeah. Hugh Jackson's gone. Steve Wilkes is gone. Todd Bolt, all the black coaches are gone. They're gone. Vance Joseph's gone. Did it ever occur to you that they're all just bad coaches? <laughs> that ever, I mean, there's not one of those teams that had even a good, even a decent season, much less a good one. Now, Steve Wilkes might have a case um, just because he only got one year. You know, rookie quarterback, all that kind of stuff. That was a mess. But maybe something happened internally there where they said, listen, this is not our guy. We can just tell. Maybe Josh Rosen said, I don't want him here. That could have happened. That happens all the time. Aaron Rodgers ran Mike McCarthy out of town, and neither one of them is close to being black. Okay, but he ran him out of there. I mean, it, I mean, that's not obvious to you. He did. He ran him out of there, and it was actually pretty easy to do it. Just had to have a, one bad season, and that was it. He was gone. And Mike McCarthy had been there forever. So what happens, people? Maybe the, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know that Josh Rosen got Steve Wilkes fired. I don't know. Maybe Steve Wilkes got himself fired. Maybe he did something there. But a lot of guys got fired. It wasn't just, they didn't just fire black coaches. And by the way, you know how, how you do realize one thing. You can't be fired as a head coach without actually first being hired. You do understand that, right? No, 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 not according to Woke America. Woke America, no, 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 no. It's war on black coaches. Give me a fucking break. Remember something, Woke America loves going after the NFL because of the Kaepernick thing. They love it. And to me, this is an extension of all that. Because the Kaepernick stuff has pretty much vanished. Yeah, Eric Reed's back, and Eric, you know, Eric Reed is kneeling before the national anthem, but it's not, it's not turning people off anymore. Because it's not as widespread, it's not, a, it's not as popular. A lot of the teams have kind of gotten under control, said, hey guys, you're here to work. You know, it's enough of this. And that's it. And even with Eric, Eric Reed is even saying, hey, listen, they're drug testing me more often and stuff, and yeah, that's being looked into. The Players Association is looking into it for him and everything else, but it's, it's, not nearly, it's not nearly the talk of the town anymore. So let's try to latch onto this. Let's play out, just like Darren Ravel was trying to kick and scream over, over nothing with LeBron, let's kick and scream over black coaches getting fired. 
Mike Tomlin still got his job, <laughs> okay? Okay, and that, and that situation is a disaster, okay? And I even saw a couple reporters try to blame white men for that. I don't, like, what, like, wait, what? What does that have to do with anything? All these sports writers don't understand. Antonio Brown had a tough upbringing. He was homeless at one point. Yeah, he's making a shitload of money right now. He doesn't want to show up to work. Like, he had a, a tough childhood. That probably describes half the NFL. I don't, I mean, come on. What are you crazy? You hear the stories all the time. That everyone's throwing shit at their quarterback and not showing up to work over the weekend in a game that could have put him in the playoffs. And I, oh, well, you know, what the sports writers don't understand because most of them are old and white. That's got nothing to do about it. I mean, if they were lying about the guy, maybe I'd listen to you, but they're telling the truth about what happened. What, what are we supposed to do? Say, you know, go ahead, uh, don't show up for work, but we'll put you in the game on Sunday anyway. You should have gotten to play. Insane. So they don't, they don't have the Kaepernick stuff to really cover anymore. Hey, let's try to latch onto this. And I'll tell you something else. Here's, some, here's another guy, okay, who was dead and buried, according to Woke America, and that's Reuben Foster. He's a woman beater, right? He's, he beats women, right? I mean, he was arrested in Tampa for the second time with the same woman. He must be a woman beater, except the charges got dropped again today. And it turns out, I saw this for the first time now, shout out to, to my pal uh, Wally down at um, Urban Sports Scene down, down in D.C. Uh, to be fair about it, okay, to be fair about it, he is a Redskins, he is a Redskins guy. He's in D.C. That's part of what he does. It's part of what he covers. Contributes to Fox Sports down there the whole nine yards. But... So obviously he's going to be pro-Redskin, but that's, that's not the point. He's telling the truth. She was arrested, arrested, and locked up in the past for lying about domestic violence with another boyfriend. I never heard that till today. Not once did these clowns in the media dare talk about that. You know why? Because woke America decided a long time ago that Reuben Foster was done playing football. We got a little bit of the Me Too movement in there. We got a little bit of the anti-NFL thing. Remember, NFL's public enemy number one lately. Let's bury this guy. Now, there is the issue of, I still want to know what he was doing with an assault rifle, if he was. I'm still curious about that. But all you had to do, guys, there's something out there called the internet. Okay, if you're listening to this show right now, you're using it. Okay, all you had to do was get that police report from the internet, which is, which is a matter of public record. She got on the phone and told them he slapped her in the face. When the cops got there, they said she had a one-inch scratch on her collarbone. How do those two things make sense? How? They don't. That's okay. It doesn't have to make sense. Woke America will tell you. Woke America will make sense of it for you. That's all, that's all you need to know. Don't you dare. Qu don't question us. Don't question anything we say. We'll tell you what's going on here. And if we omit a few details, you know, like the truth... You know, things that could totally vindicate the guy. Well, you know what? That'll just be our little, our little secret. Because we control everything. We control the outrage. We control the hysteria. Control it all. We turn it up. We turn it down. Never turn it off. Once you're in our crosshairs, you're done. So good for Ruben Foster. And to be honest with you, good for the Redskins. Now, he might get suspended, but he's not, he's not going to jail for this stuff. Quite honestly, do I think something happened in that room? Yeah, they probably had a scuffle. I mean, is that the same thing as beating her? No. Not at all. One condition, though, Ruben. If I, if I am, have anything to do with, you know, if I'm Jay Gruden or anybody involved with the Redskins, very simple. She's not allowed anywhere near you or our team. Nowhere, nowhere, no how. And we're going to have security on you. We're gonna, if she's around you, we'll find out. You were to have no contact with her. None whatsoever. 
You can tell me she accused you twice. Well, then, you know what? Uh, what do you want anything to do with her for? Enough already. Because something bad's going to happen. And whether you like it or not, ladies and men, to all of you knights in shining armor out there, false accusations do happen. Trust me. Seen, seen it a million times. So you look at these guys. Every single one of these guys. Now, Louis C.K. is the one guy you say he ruined himself. He did shit to himself. He, he, he deserved to be exposed. He ruined careers. And, and to, be, to be frank about it, if he really wants vindication, he better make up some kind of financial restitution to these women that he held back for so long. They may not want the money. I, I have a feeling they'll take it. But, I, you know, he's got, he's got plenty of money. I mean, he could, he could make that situation right. He'll still be gross, and he'll still be a pariah. But he could sort of mitigate the situation a little bit. He could. But if he doesn't want to, then, you know, that's his business. Whatever. But the rest of these guys, I mean... You know, the Twitter mafia is basically ready to bury these people. These NFL teams, NFL player here, a college coach, without knowing anything. Without knowing anything. But the Reuben Foster thing I thought was ridiculous. I never knew till today that that woman had gone to jail for doing this stuff. Man, shame on you people. Really. I mean, you should be absolutely ashamed of yourselves. And my, my, again, Wally from Urban Sports Scene made a, made a very good point to me. He, made, he, he said he has something. He said something, and I've said this many times. I've said this many times. And I'm going to quote him. I want people to have that same energy if it's proven that she lied about the whole situation because her story has a lot of holes. He's right. He's right. Make the apology as vigorous as the accusation. In fact, even more so. I thought you were innocent until proven guilty in this country. Just, I guess it just depends on who your friends are. Give me a fucking break. Anyway, back to, let's get to some of the bowl games here. Um, in what was a sort of disaster, we're not going to go bowl by bowl. Don't, don't, please, I'm not going to do that to you. But what was a pretty bad bowl season? We all know there's too many bowl games. We know why there's too many bowl games. It's also, you know, what, what do we start the show talking about? Money. That's what it's about. It is about money. But are they going anywhere? Probably not. Um, in terms of betting these games, number one, take it easy. Because you'll, I mean, you'll just live to fight another day. Plus, the better bowl games are late. So you don't want to go ahead and exhaust yourself, shall we say, before you get to the good stuff around New Year's. Not to mention the playoffs and everything else. So what I found was there were so many no-shows in these games and just so many horrible performances and teams that just clearly didn't want to be there, not to mention the players sitting out. A lot of the good players sit out. So, and some of them didn't decide till late. The kid from Georgia didn't decide till about a week before the Sugar Bowl he wasn't playing, the defensive back. So I, I found the best way to do this is bet the games either live or bet them at halftime. At least then you'll have an idea of who's showing up and who's not. Okay, but you did have a few notable moments in the bowl season. Case in point, the first responder bowl. Boston College and Boise State go down to the Cotton Bowl. Okay, this obviously isn't the Cotton Bowl, but it's played in the Cotton Bowl. Where they used to play the Cotton Bowl before they moved it to the Cowboy Stadium because the Cowboy Stadium has a shitload of seats. And there you go. And they drag these kids down there to play the day after Christmas. That means these kids were practicing during final exams. That means these kids had no Christmas with their families. I know not everyone celebrates Christmas, but in this country, I'd say it's obviously the majority of people, right, celebrate Christmas. Okay. They take time from their winter breaks. They travel down to Dallas. I don't know what day they traveled. My guess would be they traveled on like the 21st or 22nd. I don't know. Then the fans and the parents and everybody else schleps down to Dallas. They play 10 minutes of football. Boston College takes a 7-0 lead. Then there's lightning. And instead of coming up with some sort of contingency plan, after like an hour and a half, they say, okay, you know what? There's supposed to be lightning for a few more hours. So uh, we're done. <laughs> That's it. We're out of here. Game over. Game goes down as a no contest. First time they canceled a bowl game since Hawaii was in a bowl game in 1941. Now, if you think Hawaii 1941 sounds familiar, it should. It's called Pearl Harbor. That's, that's how long it's been since a bowl game was just completely wiped away. That's how ridiculous this was. 
Now, if this was a regular season game, especially a conference game, they would have made every effort to get it in. Resumed it the next day, found another venue, rescheduled it, whatever. But they were just like, yeah, you know the, you know the hell with it. I'll tell you why. Because there was a game right afterwards on, on ESPN. And you were going to fuck up all the TV windows. That's why. That, that's what it comes down to. The game was either going to be relegated to like ESPN News or ESPN2. or so, I'm sure there was stuff they could have preempted on one of those channels. But that's not the same thing as being on ESPN. So you're not going to get the advertising. You can't bump the other bowl game because there's money there. Well, you know what? They just said, okay, the hell with it. And they send the kids home. Like, it means nothing. What was the point of all those practices? They get like an extra 15 practices for bowl games. What was the point of missing the holidays? What was the point of all the travel? And then the, the Boston College athletic director gets on Twitter and says, hey, listen, anybody that bought tickets to this game, don't you worry. You name the event and you can come any, any home sporting event from now on through December. It's on us. Well, wait a minute. Are you going to refund them their airfare and their hotel too? I never saw anything like this. And God forbid, that, God forbid uh, Jerry Jones lets them come and finish the game where the Cowboys play because they had media day for the Cotton Bowl there. That was terrible. You know, the fact they were so willing to just pull the plug in that game just tells you there's too many bowl games. Like the Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> okay, TCU and Cal. Six first-half interceptions. A quarterback with the use of only one foot for TCU. That, that happens to be true, by the way. Seriously. And a tackle of a line judge by a man in, the, in a suit on the TCU sideline that would have negated a game-winning pick six if the kid went all the way because that was in overtime. So in overtime, when you're down, you're down. You know, the, you know, the, the ball goes back to the 25, you start your possession. That all happened at the Cheez-It Bowl. That was like, you know when you're out drinking with your buddies and you're having a good time, but you're like, you know what? Is this drink one too many? Is this the one I really don't need? It's 2.30 in the morning. I'm barely seeing straight. Do I really need this? That's what that bowl game is. Like, do we really need this one? You don't. You don't need that game, okay? My God, what an embarrassment. A game, by the way, that, a game, by the way also, that Cal should have won 10 to nothing, but it's just so, they're so terribly coached in that game. That's the other thing. These games, it's bad enough the players don't want to be there. Some of these coaches are so, I mean, they, they lose their minds. They're so busy trying to draw attention to themselves by calling, you know, calling really strange timeouts, you know, trying to ice the kicker or preserve, you know, it's crazy with these look-at-me play calls and everything. They forget how to coach basic football, but Cal should have won that game. I mean, easily. TCU wins in overtime. Then you have... A day later, you had the Independence Bowl. Temple goes up 20-7 to on Duke, okay? Duke then outscores them 49-7 to for the rest of the game, okay? But that's okay, right, Temple? Temple fans is okay because Manny Diaz, the Miami defensive coordinator, he's going to save the day for you. Oh, you got a problem with your defense? Don't worry. Manny Diaz is on the way. As a matter of fact, Miami's playing right after the Independence Bowl. Let's get a look at our brand-new head coach and his vaunted defense right now, the turnover chain and the whole nine yards. Except they gave up 333 yards to rushing to Wisconsin, including 205 to their star running back, Taylor, New Jersey kid, by the way, okay, who is like their first, second, and third options uh, on offense. And that's when they had their starting quarterback who wasn't there. So they had some freshman from Long Island who, let's just say, is not good, okay, and I'm being kind when I say that. And they gave up 205 yards on like 20 something carries to that kid. The kid still averaged like eight yards a carry. It's ridiculous. It's a bit troubling, though. No? That's your incoming head coach. But it gets better because after the game, Mark Richt wakes up the next day, I'm assuming still in New York City, and says, you know what? I'm done coaching. So the University of Miami says, hey, you know what? Manny Diaz, you want to be our head coach? And that's it. Shocker, he takes it, and now Temples has no head coach. By the way, that all took like 36 hours to happen. If that was not a perfect little microcosm of the disaster slash selfishness of bowl season, I don't know what is. That was perfect. I mean, that, that, was honestly, that was honestly perfect. I could not believe. I, I'm looking at this. I'm saying these people, there is absolutely no shame whatsoever. 
Okay, then if you, the, other, the other things that kind of stood out, you had the Peach Bowl with Michigan and Florida. Michigan with a total, just a total lemon. I mean, that was ridiculous. Michigan just didn't show up. Like, they didn't want to be at that game. And if you noticed how many players from Michigan didn't show up, I don't know if that's a statement. I mean, literally didn't show up, didn't play, didn't suit up. I don't know if that's really a statement on Jim Harbaugh or just the fact that he's getting really good talent there. You could look at that one way or the other, but, man, Florida went up and down the field on this so supposedly great Michigan defense. I, I really thought you'd be a lot of clamoring to fire Jim Harbaugh after that, but no. I guess he's there for the long haul, probably because they owe him way too much money. Then you had the Sugar Bowl on New Year's night, okay, where Georgia just decides, hey, listen, we're not in the college football playoff. We're not going to show up. Well, if you're not going to show up, guys, do the world a favor and do yourselves a favor. Don't tweet on Saturday night making fun of Notre Dame or Oklahoma because a bunch of their players did that, and they come into New Orleans. They basically acted like they'd rather be on Bourbon Street. That was awful. And that wasn't even – and everyone says good win by Texas. Yeah, yeah. Texas defense – the Texas defense is average at best. And Georgia got to 21 points. They only did that by scoring a garbage-time touchdown with 12 seconds left. They couldn't punt the ball the right way. It was a joke. They gifted 10 points to Texas. It was, an app, it was a disgrace. And here you got kids. I understand that when they were growing up, the Sugar Bowl didn't mean that much, but that used to be a big deal. You won the SEC, you went to the Sugar Bowl. And Kirby Smart, I guess, didn't convey that to these kids. And that was just, I mean, that was, you know, the most exciting thing about that game was really the, the fighting at the end, which I, mercifully I missed at that point. I was out of it. I had the over in the game. I wasn't going to cash that. I took Texas plus 10 at halftime. That was an easy winner. Nothing was going to happen, and I needed to get some rest. That was way too much football over the course of two or three days. Okay, and then finally, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, Central Florida gets drilled pretty much, I, I think, to the delight of a lot of the country. I think a lot of people were tired. I think Central Florida went from being the lovable underdogs to when they had that parade, they became more delusional than anything else. I really do. And then here's LSU missing like two-thirds of their defense, and they just drilled them. And the other thing was this. UCF was dirty in that game. I'll give credit. LSU and UCF both wanted to be there. No question about it. Credit to their coaches. But Josh Heupel, come on, man. I mean, they were taking shots at Joe Burrow. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. You know, you weren't playing on the street. You were playing an actual game here. And they embarrassed themselves. And they had, they had like three or four targeting calls in the first half, and which, which, of course, adds time to the game. The other thing, the commercials and the refs, these games are taking like four hours. I'm not suggesting doing away with the Fiesta Bowl or the Sugar Bowl or anything like that, but, you know, these, these coaches got to do a better job of getting their kids prepped to play there, play there the right way, and, man, Central Florida made fools of themselves. I mean, they really made fools of themselves, which, by the way, so did the, the Pac-12. The Pac-12 can't win bowl games. I don't know what it is, but they, they cannot win bowl games. It's crazy. I actually had Oregon plus one against Michigan State and got that winner, and they realized I was betting against, like, the, the worst trend there was. And I was, lucky, I was probably lucky to get that winner, too. But that's that. Anyway, we'll put a, put a bow on all that kind of stuff. As far as the college football playoffs are concerned, the actual stuff you care about in the field, um, the best two teams won on Saturday. That's all I can say. Now, you want to say Notre Dame didn't play that well, Oklahoma. Hey, the Oklahoma game would have been a lot closer if the Oklahoma offensive line showed up in the first half. These guys are big. They're cocky. And they, you, could, you showed in the second half. They moved the ball in the second half against Alabama. But the first half, they were overwhelmed. Now, you want to make a case that they don't, they don't face anything like that in the Big 12? Okay, I'll buy that. Still got to do a better job. You still have to make the adjustment a lot earlier. You still got to toughen up a lot earlier. They just didn't do it early enough. They moved the ball late. You know, it was never, Alabama was never really in jeopardy, but that could have been a much closer game. The Notre Dame-Clemson game, you just got the impression, or at least I did, that you were never getting a game there. That was just, I really thought Notre Dame would be able to move the ball there, and you realized after about eight, ten minutes of that game that Ian Book was just scared. I mean, he, that kid did not belong in that game. Hate to say it, but I mean, and, I, and, and Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, how many times I got to see him in these big games with that stupid look on his face? 
I mean, the play calling was absolutely hideous. Plus, why not make a change of quarterback? Why not mix it up for just for a series? Why not get the other kid in there? Get Wimbush in there. At least, I mean, Ian Book can run a little bit, but Wimbush is a better runner. Get something in there. How about do you have any kind of wrinkles with both those quarterbacks on the field at the same time? Nothing. That was the most boring play calling I've ever seen in my life. That was all against the number one defensive line easily in the country in Clemson. That was an awful job. So you got a couple snoozers. The, the Alabama-Oklahoma game, you know, you kind of kept it interesting late. Okay, kind of. But, but let's be honest. Unless you had money in that game, there was not a lot of drama at the end there. You know, it re- there just wasn't a lot of drama in either one of those games. The other thing is they put them on, that was December 29th, the last Saturday of the, of the year. It, again, it's Rose Bowl related because the Rose Bowl won't cooperate. They won't move. I, I, I don't know about you. I'm tired of the Rose Bowl. I understand there's a lot of tradition. I understand the pageantry and everything else. Every single other bowl has moved. Every single one of them. They've all, they have all made accommodations. Now, this year you had the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Day. But in years past, we've had those games played on the 2nd or the 3rd of January. You know, you've had a lot, you know, in the, in the years of the BCS, I think they would basically wait till like January 4th or 5th to play the title game, depending on, depending on what day of the week, Monday, you know, what, what day in the calendar Monday fell on. It, it all depends. You know, I mean, my, look, they played the, that was the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl, those semifinal games, whether you realize it or not, those were the bowl games. You know, it used to be in the years past, like, they play the actual Rose Bowl, and they might play, you know, in the Rose Bowl, they might play the, the championship game a week later or something like that. But not anymore. You know, now it's just the bowl game it is what it is. So, hey, the Orange Bowl can move, the Cotton Bowl can move. Those, those, those games have a lot of tradition, too. Rose Bowl will not budge from 5 o'clock on New Year's Day. And the parade in the whole nine yards. I, I'm getting tired of those people with their, you know, those, their weird jackets and their Bing Crosby hats and everything else. I mean, it's enough already. They don't want to be part of the mix. Maybe they don't have to be. But that, that playoff is best done on New Year's Day. You want to make the Rose Bowl one of the, one of the venues every single year? Go ahead and do it if you want to. But I think, it's, I think it's just best served. I think college football is best served. The Rose Bowl loosens up a little bit and agrees to play on a different day. I really do. Hey, listen, there have been days. I'll give you an example. There have been days in years past, and not in years past, every year, every, every, every year. Every so often this happens. New Year's Day does fall on a Sunday sometimes. What happens those years? They don't play on Sunday. The NFL plays on Sunday. So don't, tell, don't talk to me about how they can't budge at all. Because they budged before. And every other bowl has budged way more than the Rose Bowl ever has. But those games are best played on New Year's Day. They really are. Now, uh, getting away from that, your national championship game. Um, I'm hearing conflicting reports about this, but I will say this. Alabama minus six, seven, some, you know, some places. That, that is probably too many points. If the Clemson, it's definitely too many points if the Clemson quarterback can handle the situation. He's going to be a future pro. He's going to be really good. Got a weird face, but so does Andrew Luck, and he's fine. Probably throw Roethlisberger in that category, too. Anyway, the Clemson quarterback is very, very good. If he can handle that Alabama defense, and it'll be kind of like an Oklahoma situation, that'll be the best defensive face all year. I think the coach of Clemson will do a much better job than, uh, than Lincoln Riley did. Not that Lincoln Riley had a bad game or anything like that. It was just the, the line was just terrible. The offensive line was just awful in the, in the first half. They're just, they were just completely overwhelmed. They settled down. Kyler Murray settled down a little bit. This was driving them nuts in the second half of that game. But anyway, if, if the, quarter, the Clemson quarterback is on, that's too many points to give them. Um, there is word that the venue itself, okay, where they're playing, which is where the, the Niners play, that and the weather combined may be why the total is only a 59 and a half. I looked at that total and said that's way too low. 
That is way too low. And I want to do a little research, listen to a couple things, whatever. That total is too low. I'll take the over in that game. I, I understand the field. It might be a slow track. There might be weather, whatever. I don't care. I, I think that I think both those teams can move the ball. If you remember Clemson, when they played Pitt in the ACC championship game, went up and down the field at will. Now, it's not Alabama, but they, they, they had no problem handling a muddy track. No problem whatsoever. And I think Alabama can score anywhere. Give me the over in that game. Give 50, 59 and a half. Now, as far as the NFL playoffs are concerned this weekend, um, four relatively good matchups. Four matchups where the underdogs can easily win any of those games. No question about it. Um, if you want to go Saturday, um, who starts all the Texans? And the Texans and the Colts, so they'll play for the third time this year. That might be, see, they're going to bury that game at 430 on Saturday, but that's going to be a good game. That should absolutely, I mean, Deshaun Watson's first playoff game, Andrew Luck, I want to see that. I will absolutely, that's not a throwaway game. Sometimes you get a throwaway game where the point spread is like 11 points or something in that game, and it's, it's just a crappy matchup. Or This is not a bad matchup, but it's just Houston, and it's, they're, they're not big markets for TV. So they're going to throw them there. Then you get the Cowboys on Saturday night with Seattle, who has had a really good run. Pete Carroll gets all the credit in the world. This is supposed to be a down year for Seattle. This is a very winnable playoff game for them. I think they're like one or two-point underdogs. Remember something, though. Dallas's strength is obviously when the offense goes through Ezekiel Elliott. Not to mention something else. Okay? Seattle not only cannot stop the run, but they're going to have to deal with Amari Cooper now, too. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. The total in this game is only about 43. Seattle, meanwhile, can move the ball themselves. Okay, they want to run first, but they can, with Russell Wilson, I understand the Cowboys' pass rush and all that kind of stuff. Russell Wilson is basically conditioned to run for his life. So you have to do more than throw a pass rush at Russell Wilson to beat him. I think Pete Carroll will game plan enough. I think both teams score. And a total of 43, I'm already in on the over there. Give me the over 43 in that game. I'll give you that one, and I'll give you a second one, too. I like the way the Ravens handled the, the Chargers, and that was in L.A. And you're going to tell me that Anthony Lynn's going to game plan and, and you know, schematically change things up enough Where's the adjustment going to be? What are they going to do on offense to slow down that Ravens defense? Phillip Rivers cannot, cannot get out of the way of that pass rush. And they can shut down Melvin Gordon. They can handle their receivers on the outside. Now you got to come to the Northeast. you got to come to Baltimore. It's going to be cold, okay, which, I mean, listen, I'm not saying Phillip Rivers can't win on the road, but you take a team from L.A., you put them in the playoffs in Baltimore, that's going to be a, it's going to be a nasty weather day, if I'm not mistaken, on that day in uh, – in Maryland, let's go and check this right now. Let's go to the Weather Channel and see on Sunday. At only 51 degrees. 51, you know, but it's going to be a windy day. Okay, it's going to be a windy. Winds up to 12 miles an hour, okay? Um, very little chance of precipitation. So 51 degrees isn't that bad for December. I still like the Ravens. I think the Ravens, they're going to get this one home game, and I think they're going to be a threat on the road the next two games. I think the Ravens could very well represent the AFC. So before the year, my picks were the Saints and the Texans to go to the Super Bowl. You know, I'll stick with that, but I think it could very well be the Ravens. I, don't th- I think the, the Patriots have an off year this year. They are not, this is not their year. And the Chiefs' defense is going to bite them at some point. So I'll take the Ravens, too. Give me the Ravens. It's two and a half, three, wherever it is. Anything at, the, at, at three or less, I'll take the Ravens, too, over the Chargers. But I think you'll have a very enjoyable playoff weekend. And I, listen, I, do I think that, that Philadelphia can go in and beat the Bears? Of course I do. Bears' offense is tough to watch sometimes. They get a good matchup, though, because Philly's defense is terrible, especially in the back end. If Mitchell Trubisky can avoid the pass rush, and he can, that he could actually, if he could hang in there and not run, he could probably shred that Philadelphia secondary just because everybody can. But that's, you know, that's the, that remains to be seen. Remember, he's going up against the defending Super Bowl champions. That means something. It's his first playoff game. That means something. And boy, if there's a one-and-done team in the mix, it just, but doesn't it seem like it would be the Bears? I, I don't, I don't, listen, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a Philly sports fan. We know that. Okay, I'm a Giants guy. But that Bears offense is just, Brutal to watch sometimes. Young quarterback, experienced defense. You know, the, the secondary and the Eagles is their problem. The defensive line up front, I mean, if they can make some moves up there, 
with uh, Jim Schwartz, if he can make some moves and get to the quarterback and just or get an early mistake, that could get that could be a very quiet soldier field very quickly. Anyway, that's what you got on tap for the weekend. Enjoy the NFL playoffs. Obviously, enjoy Championship Monday in college football. And just like that, that's it for the first show of the year. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Anchor at BC, AK The Man. Let's end it today with Beads. Guy's got a new album out called Wasn't Supposed to Be Here. Here's Realist to Run It. I am BC The Man. See you guys next week on The Air Attack.